Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon. Take a look at the Haftorah. Uh, was just sponsored now by uh, Abe Gluck, our good friend, and good friend of the podcast indeed. <clears throat> and um, let me get right into it. You have the famous Haftorah, which is quoted certainly in non from a million times, because it ends in very well, which is, So what's going on over here? <clears throat> this is from Micha. Micha is one of these prophets you never heard about. Everybody's heard about it, you don't know anything about it. was the same time as Yeshayo. And basically, he's criticizing everybody right and left. No, it's all the elites. If you go through the book of Micha, he's got what to say, how bad the Kohanim are, the kings, the princes, the rabbis, and everybody else. It could happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could happen. There's a lot of corruption going on, and so on and so forth. <laughs> it's in great detail. Now, <clears throat> the Iker part of the Torah, as far as I'm concerned, as is often the case, um, is the second half, which is in chapter what they call chapter five, and then into chapter six. Even though chapters are not Jewish in origin, but basically, it's very interesting because it's rhetorical, which is what a novi is into rhetoric, and he's asking rhetorical questions. Shemunos <clears throat> Rashem Omer Kumri Visaharin, go contest with the mountains. In other words, I, I God. I have certain tightness on you. This is the way the Novi is presenting what went on and what failed to go on during his time. Right? I, I have tightness on you. Okay? So what are the tightness? Right? Obviously, as I said before, this prophet is criticizing everybody right and left. The Rosh Hashivas, the Kohanim Gedolim, the kings, the princes, the Richie Riches for sure, and so forth. Okay? So that means that you have and this is the connection with the Parsha, the gap between the fact that the one hand, Jewish people are supposed to be a special people, and everything goes along with that, and yet, at the same time, they don't act that way. Here you are with time of bias Rishon, because all the Nevi'im are time of bias Rishon. The Jews had their own Malucha, they weren't in Gaulus, they had a base in Migdash, they had their own independent monarchy. At the particular time that Micha is prophesying, which is during the period of uh, Yosem and Ochos and Chizkiah, they actually were independent. I mean, the kingdom of Judah was a small country in the Middle East, and there was the big empire of Asher running around, and so they had maneuver in that environment, but they basically had their own country. So let's say from a very strictly frummy point of view, which a Novi would have, right? So... What do you care about who's running the Middle East? Huh? You have your own base of Middash. You can keep Shemitah and Yavol. You can keep Mitzvahs to close bars. You can keep the other tired Mitzvahs. You can sit and learn if that's your thing. That time they had the real Toshavah pet. Right? You have a base of Middash. What more do you need? You know what I'm saying? What more do you need? A, a, a rich from Jew today does not need to control the world. He said, I want a big house <laughs> somewhere out there, you know, in Lakewood or Muncie. 
you know, 10 times the size of my house. I went to my own swimming pool. I went to my own base manage with 10 million sperm, and this and the other. And I can devote, in other words, you get it? It's enough if we have our own little island and nobody bothers me and I can raise my family the way I want to raise it. You know, what do I need to conquer Cucamonga for? So this is what all the Novis used to say, the Nubian. You have your own little country, everything's fine. Just concentrate on the Ruchnius. Asis Mishwit Hatsnealikim El Kefi. You don't need to worry about the rest. But it wasn't. The problem was, people didn't act that way. The problem was, the richy rich guy didn't say, okay, like I said before, now that I have all the money in the world, I build myself a big house, I have a nice base medish in the middle, and I can do Dafiomi every day and that sort of thing. And now I have the time to do it. They didn't do that. Instead, OF Kesev, Elias Kesev. Then they want to expand their power, their money, the people that they're screwing over, the people that they're screwing over. And uh, they got their kicks out of that. That's a sad reality. And you just read all the Nevi'im. You know, the Chumash, the Tanakh is the most anti-Semitic book. Everybody knows. So the problem was that the, 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 the country was pretty corrupt in a lot of places. And the Nevi's calling attention to it. And the problem is that the Jewish people aren't acting the way they're supposed to act. And they're not taking responsibility. You see, the Navi is always about taking responsibility. Now, the Middle East is defined as not taking responsibility. That is the culture of the Middle East. It's never the Arabs' fault. It's never this. It's always someone else's fault. You understand? Yanko, why didn't you make your pants? No, I didn't do it. Shlemmy did it. You know? There's nobody. It's never your fault. You never own up to doing anything wrong. I'm serious. You study the cultures over there. And the Jews can be like that. Okay? Matter of fact, if you know the Islamic philosophers in the Middle Ages, they couldn't stand the Tanakh because it's so self-critical. What you and I regard as a plus, they regard as a minus. It should be anything who's a prophet. should be all good stuff. You understand? Um, shouldn't be, you know, uh, criticism. And yet, the Haftar today and the other Haftars are Mali Vagadish social criticism. So the problem then raised is the same problem I mentioned the other day, which is, on the one hand, you tell me it's Amba Nivchar, it's an Amsegula. The other hand, they don't behave that way. So what? So Hashem said he's going to have a special relationship with Kali Yisrael, which is really not if he meet us at justice. Okay? As the Umas say, why do you treat one people better than the other? You're telling me you're Haim Mishpat. On the other hand, you're telling me treating one better than the other. You're letting them get away with things you wouldn't let others get away with. And even when they do something, you punish them. You only punish them a little bit. Like it says in the Tochacha. You know, lo me'asti v'lo ge'altim lechalo sam. If it's a chartan b'ris v'shonen, b'ris avram yitzviyaka. Why? Why? That happened long ago. If the people now messing up, the land bear the, bear the price. So, nevertheless, in spite of what I just said, in spite of the fact that Midas Din would say that this is the way to go, when I say Midas Din, in other words, what's right and wrong, I should say you punish the punish the wicked and, and reward the righteous. In spite of that, we say the Kalah Yisrael is a special thing and they can get away with things that others can't get away with, even if Hashem doesn't like it. He, For your kid, I'll throw him out of school. For that guy's kid, if he does the same thing, I will not throw him out of school. That's mamash not fair. As a parent, we can all understand that, right? My kid did something and his kid did something. But because the school likes that family, for whatever reason, his kid doesn't get thrown out of school and your kid gets thrown out of school. And not fair. Where's the medicine in? You know what I'm saying? 
That's how the Umas Olam look at it, and they're not wrong. The personification of that. Here's the point, Laftorah, with Bilam. Because I tried to make the case yesterday, I think it was yesterday, what was the power of Bilam? He could point to exactly what I just said. Bilam could see, with Nevu or however he saw it, all the faults of the Jewish people. And there are. You understand? And he could, you know, point them out publicly. And in that case, it would make Hashem look bad. Get it? Why are you favoring this group when they do this, they do that, and the others, they cheat, they do, you know, whatever. Like that. The only way Hashem could deal with this was to, you know, uh, shut Bilam up. Okay? Shut Bilam up. Now, um, that itself was... So in other words, Bilam's tinnitus were irrefutable. Bilam would say, how can you favor the Jews? They just wanted to kill Moshe. They wanted to follow Korach. Not long ago. They wanted to be the misonym. They wanted to be by the, the, the slav. They wanted this and they wanted that. Even in the 40th year, according to Chazal, six or eight of the tribes ran back and had to be forcibly pushed back by the other six tribes or whatever it was. You know. So in other words, it's impossible to deal with them. And even in the 40th year, they're complaining, now, Shenu Kotze Belechem HaKlekel. You understand? So how can it be that this is a so-called an Amsegula, an Amanivchar, and at the same time have all these big characteristics? Now, the truth of the matter is like this. There is no good answer to that question. You can only say, as a matter of grace, of mysticism, I'm serious, I'm not being funny. It's part of the Bria, and it's part of Bria that the people don't make any sense. I always like to say that the Rambab you know, skipped a few. He didn't get them all right. He said there are 13 principles. Everybody knows it's more than 13 principles. But I'll tell you a 14th one that he left out. The Rambab. His principles are theological. The existence of God, the omniscience of God, you know, uh, the omnipotence of God, and and the Torah he gave, and so forth. You know what a part of the Animam is are? Animam, Mishlema, that there's just some special grace for Kali Yisrael. It's a basic part of the Jewish religion. It's a basic part of the Bria. Bracious, Bishul Yisrael, Shnikoracious. I know it sounds like that's a drush in the Veltrain, but it's actually not. You know what I'm saying? It's actually not. This is part of the Jewish belief. That there's a special Zach called Kali Yisrael, even though and even when we don't deserve it. Now, that doesn't mean you get away with things. There are tochachas. But even though Minas Adin would require that everybody gets killed, it never works out that way. That's what it says in the tocha in Vayikra. That's what it says in tocha Dwarmes. I think you know very well. So, the point is, most people don't go around zeroing in on that subject. I am doing that today for, because it's a Haftorah, because I have me Parsha Bullock. But Bilam knew how to do that. You understand? Bilam knew how to do that. He could be one of these masters of rhetoric that could, like a brilliant lawyer, make the case that the Jews stink and therefore it can't be true that Hashem likes them. And if you do, then you can't expect us, the rest of the game, to respect you. You get it? It's a taka good time. Uh, it's a good time. See, the only thing is Hashem could make it, I'm not letting him go to speak. You get it? And even when he couldn't speak, he was able to 
demonstrate, as we all know the story, the truth of his claims of the unworthiness of Kal Yisrael, and the fact that, you know, they're not an Amnifchar, by simply saying like this, just unloose the Shiksa Zod, it'll take a minute. <laughs> you know the story is not, hey, the Jews were in the desert, the Benos Moav came there, the Jews being real from, spurned them and turned away, the girls came on to them again and again and again, and in the end they broke down because they're human. That, my friends, is the story of Joseph and Ashes Potiphar. Right? That That's a different story altogether. That's a completely different story. And it happens in the workplace even today. Right? Yosef and Potiphar. Yosef is a from guy. She hit him with him again and again and again. Uh, How's it go? You know, whatever the expression is. No, he kept turning her down. In the end, human beings are human beings. If she didn't stop coming on to him, and she tried this Eitzah, and that Eitzah, and that Eitzah, in the end, okay, you, you can hear it. You get what I'm saying? But that is not what happened in our parasha with the Benos Mov. Took about a half a second. <laughs> right? So, and then Bilam could say like this I didn't say a word. I didn't call any attention to Yisrael. Let the facts speak for themselves. You see how devastating he was? Let the facts speak for themselves. This is your Amma Nivchar. Now, here we are hundreds of years later, in the time of Micha, and he says, I called the mountains to the valleys to testify. Notice you are the mountains and valleys of Eretz Yisrael, the land that I gave to the Jews. Shimnas Rivashem, the arts. Listen to the Rivashem. What's the Riv Hashem? Riv means a quarrel, but what does that mean? Basically, saying like this: I want you to listen to the attorney. The Riv in this case would be the bill of particulars, or the speech of the lawyer laying out the tainus. In this case, Riv Hashem. Hashem is a lawyer who's laying out his tainus. His tainus are basically: I never did anything wrong to you, and you repaid me with ingratitude. Okay. Now the Jews could say. You didn't give, and you didn't give us enough for this and you that. I get it. But this is the way Hashem's putting it in the words of the Navi. And he says like this We'll have a debate, meaning a court debate with Kla Yisrael. What did I do wrong to you? You're coming to me like it's hard to worship Hashem. How have I, no, how have I troubled you? Let's put it this way. Do I charge you a million dollars a year? Uh, do I hit you up for big tuitions, as we'd say today? You know, today somebody goes, I can't afford this. But in the old days, the Jewish obligations are not that much. Okay? And they be, answer me. I took you out of Egypt and all that. It's not simply, I took you out of Egypt. But I gave you a good leadership. After all, could have thrown you out of Egypt. You'd no longer be working in the salt mines. You would have then elected your own leaders. And who knows what kind of losers there would be. Yes, you see? But I sent you Moshe and Miriam. Ami, Zecharno, Mayotz, Balak ben Moach. also Bilam ben Bort. What did Balak ben... What's the partial Balak? Right? What was the eighth of? He should curse the Jews. I told you yesterday that what does it mean to curse the Jews? He didn't have a magic power to curse. 
I know there's these Chazal, but he didn't imagine by a curse. The answer is, he could call out in a very devastating way um, all the fault to the Jews, which would be 100% correct. And, you know, you cannot survive those kinds of of rhetorical attacks. You understand? This emperor has no clothes. You say the Jewish people are holy people and this and the other. What about this? What about that? What about the other thing? The Jews have no answer. They have no answer. So it turns out words are incredibly powerful. I've given this speech in other times also, even though they used to say when I was a kid, sticks and stones break your bones, names never hurt me, but it's a big lie. Names can hurt you a lot. That's why if you makana shem chaveru and all that, you give somebody a bad name, it can affect them for the rest of their lives. Even though it's stupid, and theoretically you should say, what do I care what somebody else says about me? But people, most people are not built that way. Okay? It'd be a very unusual person to go through high school, for example, and of all the kids in the class make fun of them, and that person, boy or girl, say yes, it's not my love murder to me at all. I don't care what the others think about me. I have my own sense of self-worth. And when, it's not like that. I mean, theoretically, it should be. And such a person would be an Ayn Rand hero, as they say. And it would be a good thing, because I'd be, um, what's the right word, Hishtavus. I don't care what anybody else says. They used to train the Navardigris back in the 20s and 30s to be like that. At least theoretically. Theoretically. But people are not like that. Instead, as you and I know, you have kids that kill themselves every day from cyberbullying and all that kind of junk. It's very big. Right? So what he says, What Bullock advised what Bullock responded, which is an ambiguous phrase, but I would say, and Bullock wanted to curse the Jews, and I would not let them. That's really what it means. Bill and Ben Bar was ready to go, and I would not let him talk. Right? I would not let him talk. So you owe me big time. You could have wandered 40 years in the desert. The whole older generation should have died, would have been dead by then. You would have gotten close to Eretz Israel, and then fallen apart and been exterminated because of the uh, uh, way Bill would have portrayed you, and the whole thing would have disintegrated. Because you know and I know when you read the Chumash, every minute the thing was able to disintegrate. Moshe Berbain had a hard time holding him together from A to Z. Look at his last words. It was always very fragile. And if I would have unleashed Bilam with his words and what the other nations and everything would have said, it would have fallen apart. All the way through. Now, I got to tell you something. There's a great line. I'm not a chassid or anything like that. But, but, um, I saw a great line. I have a book at home, oh, for many years, called Biuri Hasidah Zatanach, Nisha Hasidah, about a million years ago. Most of Cook. And the guy collected, when Naveem and Subim, little words from Hasidic masters. There's a very cute line I like from the Derek Edu Secha, that would be the Bnei Soschak, on the Chomish or Tanach, whatever it is. And, uh, what does it mean when it says, uh, my people, remember what I did with you with Bilam, minashitim ala Gilgal, Hashem. What do you mean from shitim until Gilgal? Yeah, it's, it's like a funny phrase. And the regular Farshim all over the place, I don't look at they say, it's a very good line. Uh, I'm reading now from this excerpt from the Derech Secha, from the Bnei Soschar. Minashitim, sheshom chatu in Moav, 
Barov Talim Chetazer, Adashir Penchas for Kalif, Bo Base Isha Zona, for Omdib Sikosm Belochatu. Bezer Tiknus a Chetanal, Ala Gilgo. So, in other words, they're very cute. Think about what I'm about to say. The story of the Benel Smarov takes place in Chitim <coughs> shortly before the death of Moshe. So Moshe dies in Zion Adar. I don't know. So what is this? Uh, in Teves and Kislev, something like that. Something like that. Right? And that's when the whole Bilam business happens. Benel Smarov. Uh, within a few months, by Zion Adar, Moshe is dead. Within another month, the Jews are in Eretz Yisrael, and the spies are sent to Rochavazona. Uh, to be exact, they cross the Jordan, Pesach time, and a little after Pesach, they go to spy out Jericho, the two spies, who are supposed to be uh, Kolobin and, and Pinchas. And as I pointed out, a week or two or three ago, whatever it was, Yeshua sent two spies, is weird. He sent two super frumies. I don't know how they expected to blend in. And they went to a brothel in Jericho. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's like a nightclub in Vegas or something like that. Yeah. Sent them into the Sodom and Amora. Two people. And what happened? Obviously, as we don't need to tell you, if you're talking about Yeshua and Pinchas, I'm sorry, calling them Pinchas, <clears throat> they didn't come in and order, <laughs> order drinks, <laughs> right? Or anything else. They, you know, were hiding. It's an interesting story how they figured they would hide, but they were hiding. Bottom line is like this. I'm telling you what the Bnei Salsar says over him. That here we are, three, four, five months later, after the Maise of Benos Moav, really very soon afterwards, and you send two spies, and they go to a base zona, and they don't do anything. Notice they weren't even tempted. Uh... That, he says, was like a tikkun for the sin of the Benosimov. It's a good line. It's a very Hasidic type word. It's a cute line. But the point is like this. Men, it fits nicely because the Pasik says in the Haftorah, Sechor ma'yotz balg ben bilam. I'm sorry. Sechor ma'yotz balg melch moav. Umen onoso bilam ben bo'or. Men ashitim and agilgol. So basically, Bilam answered him with the Benosimov. That sin lasted until Gilgal, about three, four months later. Now, in the larger picture, of course, the fact that God would not let Bilaam accurately portray the Jews, accurately call to their, what, what, out what their sins are, accurately, you know, point to their many flaws. That was the big Tzitkos uh, That was the big Tzitkos So, in other words, Hashem knows full well Things ain't exactly the way they're supposed to be in the from community. There are issues, without going into detail, and some big ones. Um, some big ones. But because he has a special relationship with Klai Yisrael, basically doesn't want to um, air the dirty linen in public. And that's called Tzikas Hashem. Okay? Eventually, there's some kind of media that then handles it however he handles it on an individual level. But broadly speaking... Even though there may be many people, this side you don't you don't treat the claw based on all these prats. Uh, that is biggie so, and that's what the navi here, who lived many hundreds of years later, in times when there were also plenty of 
corruption and bad things happening. Think he lived in time of Ochaz, for example. And even Chizkiah, believe it or not, was not so hotzi totsi in some areas, even though people don't realize that. The result was that it would be very easy to portray and justify the Jews in being a low madrega and therefore deserving of all kind of bad stuff. Uh, it's the kind of thing people say today, I don't like it myself, but that's just who I am in my generation. I don't like when I hear these of Victor Miller things where he said the Holocaust happened because of X, Y, and Z. You understand? Uh, and they'll give you all the reasons. I hear the word, but I don't like it. Okay? For a number of reasons. But the point is, what I'm saying, my, uh, what's the right word? My automatic reaction to those things is, uh, just shut up. Why do you have to bring all that stuff up? You see, that way of talking is one that says like this, I don't want to hear these bad things. Okay? Sometimes a certain parent in a certain situation, for various reasons, will say, I don't want to hear what my kid did today. I just want to hear it. Um, maybe tomorrow, maybe not. I don't want to hear it. That's basically what's going on over here. Now, what do you get in return? Denavi says, of course, very famously, uh, in return, you owe God big time because you covered up for me. You're uh, participating in the charade that the Amisel is a holy people, <laughs> right? When you're not. Uh, what do you want in return? And all the people can think of is how much money. What about Carbonus? So that's the attitude of the richy rich. If I did something wrong, I'll just make up with it with a check. You know, you really messed this guy over and you caused him a lot of heartache and all the rest of it. Okay, tell me his, his, his address. I'll send him a check. You see him? I'll send him a check. That'll make everything good. Not necessarily. Listen, a check helps, <laughs> but it doesn't make everything good. You should deal with the fact, why did you talk to him this way? Why did you mess him over in this business deal this way? Why did you treat him like a jerk and chill and all the rest of it? Just shut up. I don't want to get into that. I'll write him a check. You see? Um, then you don't confront your problem. Then instead what you're doing is going through life like a bull in a china shop leaving a train wreck and just sending checks to everybody that you messed up along the way. Should I pay God off with carbonus? And the Navi, of course, famously says, I'm not God's not interested in money. Endless uh, uh, rivers of fat. In other words, yeah, look, Shlomo Melch, I think, shafted a million, I don't know how many uh, bulls in one time, you know, a, a velt. There were Nachle Shemin over there. I mean, you think each bull, you cut off the fat, you threw it on the altar, it's like a river. Do you want maybe a, a human sacrifice? See, that's a big check. The guy says, I'll shech my kid. Now, to us, how can you even think like that? I think in those days you had polygamy and all this. People had a lot of kids. And so the parenting situation wasn't what it is today. You understand? First of all, kids died a lot young. So therefore, there are many books by historians on that that parents didn't get let, get so emotionally connected the way they do today. But second, which is interesting. I mean, that's actually a historical talk. And number two, in the Middle East, where you have a lot of kids, I mean, some of these guys, you have 10, 20, 30 children. 
So you tell you take one and shaft it. No, no. <laughs> no, no. It's not the nuclear American family over here. So is that what I should do? And of course the answer is no. Um, so what does he want? Don't make the train wreck in the first place. Asas Mishpat, Abbas Chesed, if you act in an Asas Mishpat, you won't mess anybody, you won't screw anybody over in business. Asas Mishpat is not so easy. Asas Mishpat means you deal justly. So there's no no tricks, no shticks, no circumventing. It's, it's easier to, like I said before, to circumvent, make your million, and give a big check. Right? That's easier. To, to, to do whatever it takes, make the money, and afterwards, you know, give money to Yeshiva and, and get the Kesser Torah award that year at the banquet. And nobody asks you how you got the money. But that's not what he says. He says, Mashem Mishpah, which is the antithesis of a lot of the richy rich culture. No, I want everybody to know about my check. <laughs> you get it? I want the Kesser Torah award. I want to see my face on the cover of Mishpachah and twice on the cover of uh, Ami. And I want to see this, that, and the other. I want the wing to be named after, you know, my Zadie. And so donated by Mr. and such and such. And, you know, it's not a snail. Um, matter of fact, you know, I'm, hold on for a second. Okay, I found it. I pulled out my rusty, trusty, my Urus Hagadola. I have a book, you know, I'm, I hope to do later on today a five-minute business uh, story about Rishol Salantin on the video part. But anyway, here, this is this is bringing out what the what the Navi says. Um, I, I have in front of me, you know, there's Sipuri Hasidim, you know that. So there are also Sipuri Mestagdim, I guess you'd say, about... Uh, the Litvish, you know, Dalter Kambis, Ross Alanter, Dalter Elizabeth, those type people. And I like these Ross Alanter stories. And one of them goes like this Pamachas Beship, it's short. Pamachas Beship de Bakalyurem, the Ross Alanter was sitting with a Chevra, but Talmud of Sipril Shnei Sipurim. And Talmud told him two stories from recent current events. Shegvirechad, Admirechad, before some, not of a Saras, a lot of Shkon, not of the space at Madrish. The some rich rabbi, before uh, some famous person, gave 10,000 ruble shekels to build a base medish. Notice he gave a very prominent act of philanthropy. That's one story. Number two, Shapa Machas Niklushne Aniyam of Menogolam, Nodimir Lear, the base of medish, Beyond Time of Sester. These two poor Aniyam, a father and a son, used to have this in the old country. Now, families would have tradition of their poor, and fathers and sons would wander. Together, beg, begging. It's very sad. Imagine it walked into your shoal. Oh, boy. Imagine walking in your shoal, a father and a son, both uh, collecting, and whatever. Anyhow, um, so Pamachas Nicholas, this is the story they told him. To two Aniam, Alvin Beno, Golem, going from town to town, merely went to the base mesh and was Tiny Sester. Amber Ben Loav. So, how much did they collect? You know, it's. It's not Muncie, it's not Baldwin, it's not somebody giving you five, ten bucks. They gave him a nickel, you know, in the old days. So, Amr Ha'abain La'av, she'd not met a kesos, a kniyas mazen, tovetayim, le'sodasim la'achar son. The son said to the father, 
give them some of the money that they collected so far. I'll go to the store and buy something nice for tonight after after when Purim starts. Then they'll eat after the tzom, after the tinus. On of Ben Lomar. No, they were hungry. Let's go be Purim. Let's let's do something besides the regular bread and water. The covered Purim. On a Ha'av Laban Vomar. The father entered. It's a the mitzvah of eating on Purim, notice finishing the tinus, you don't need anything fancy. You can do kol Bread and water is fine. So let's take the little that we, the few pennies that we put together so that you and I can do matzah shekel. Okay? Um, so that's what they did. When he heard the two stories, he said, The second story is much more impressive to me than the first story. The second story is much more impressive than the first story. Even the first story involved a guy giving 10,000 shkolen, 10,000 rubles. You know, it's like you say, say a million dollars for yeshiva. But Yisrael's answer was thinking like this, Doesn't that story bring it out? Anyway, I went a little bit too far. Um, So I want to thank once again uh, Abe Gluck for stepping into the breach. And with that, um, and I know he's doing something, we're going to do something with him on on, uh, Sunday, about the fast. And with that, I bid you a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.